Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Welcome back to Tell Nuanas 1029 ESPN Radio, hour number two. Outstanding to be with you on this very nice Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are having a wonderful day out there in the world, or maybe in there in the world, as the case may be, at your houses and residence and so forth and so on. We appreciate you letting us spend some time with you wherever you are. If you missed anything in the first hour, check it out on the podcast. The podcast is available all the time, no matter where you are. You can listen to it at your leisure, at your whim. That's the beauty of it. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate that. It's available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. You can also pick up your phone and call 329-1899. All guests join us via the Rangers Brothers RV phone line. And if you'd like to listen live, maybe it's easier at your house. You can't find the radio. It doesn't come in. Whatever. Get online, 1029ESPN.com. You can listen on the website. The stream available all the time thanks to Opportunity Bank. Your local bank, your opportunity. Speaking of phone lines, 30 minutes. Mike Dugar from The Athletic covers the Seattle Seahawks. Going to join us, talk to the Seahawks about where they're at in free agency. Haven't heard a lot out of Seattle, out of the Northwest here uh, on uh, on what's going on. But as the home of the Seahawks here on 1029 ESPN Radio, we do want to check in, see what's going on with Seattle. But first, Coulter, we got to get to some NFL stuff. Well, first, let's do a li- just a s- tiny update just on cancellations around the state because one thing that we haven't announced we did i announced montana state postponing spring sports yep. until the end of april the bobcat spring game is canceled it's worth emphasizing to people that had planned you know that's usually a reunion on both sides for montana and montana state so no spring game in hamilton april 10th for the grizz no spring game at bobcat stadium april 18th for the bobcats but the other one worth noting this is something we've talked about um Throughout the course of the year on this show, the Montana Football Hall of Fame, which I'm on the board of directors for, yep. we had our board meeting last night, and we have decided to postpone the event, which was scheduled for March 28th to June 20th. So hopefully things have calmed down by then. If you had tickets to it, just get in touch with one of the board members. All of our email addresses are on the website. You can also go to the Universal Athletic website. We'll figure out a way to make your tickets good, obviously, or if you just want a refund, we can figure that part out too. But we were scheduled to have over 800 people at this right. thing, and we just really didn't want to do it, especially because so much of the high-risk population with this pandemic are older folks. And, yep. I mean, we had actually nine former inductees scheduled to come back, which would have been awesome. But 
we just can't do that as far as the potential of exposure. So uh, it will still be a wonderful event. It'll actually probably be even better because you'll have almost, at least hopefully, no risk of snowy roads or anything right, like that when it's right. in June. So hopefully you can make your way to Billings. And if we change the venue, we'll also let you know there. But Montana Football Hall of Fame postponed but not canceled. So you'll still have time to read up on all those inductees. And it's still a wonderful event, one of my favorite events of the year. So have no fear. It will take place. We're just pushing it back for a few months. Very good. Yep, that's a good good piece of information to pass along to folks because it's a big event. A lot of people attend it, and, and uh, it has certainly uh, ramifications or, or notoriety well outside of merely the evening uh, for the 800 or so folks that uh, do go to that. Coulter, it's quarterback day in the NFL at a lot of levels, and the biggest uh, piece of news, uh, which folks have undoubtedly heard by now, but Tom Brady will not be returning to New England. He announced that today. Uh, he didn't waste any time. He opted out of his contract, uh, or he, you know, he had an option for this year, whatever it was in his contract. So he chose to opt out of that contract a while ago, which meant that he would hit free agency. It did not mean that he would not sign a different deal back with New England. But today is the day that that contract came to a close, his original contract that he was on. And so today he makes the announcement, no, I will not be returning to Foxborough. Two decades was enough. Thank you very much. Six rings was enough there. Anyways, thank you very much. Um, well, you One one real-time detail. Yes. Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington are reporting right now. They're actually on ESPN National that Tom Brady is expected to sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. He's going to call it Coward. Eastern Washington alum. Absolutely. First that this morning. Uh, but for, so if he goes to Tampa Bay and is going to be with Bruce Arians, see, this is the thing to me. A lot of people talked with, you know, about him going to the, you know, the chargers potentially maybe Indy potentially. I think that Tom Brady does not want to play for a guy who's in his first couple of years coaching. I mean, Frank Reich is, he's, he's great. I think he's a really good coach in, in Indy, and he's certainly no, you know, Johnny come lately, young 35, 40 year old guy. He's a, he's a veteran player coach in this league. But Bruce Arians has the, uh, the pedigree that a lot of guys don't have. That's why I also thought that maybe Vegas would be a place for Tom Brady to go play for Gruden, who's got so much, you know, uh, uh, history in this league as a coach and so on but to go to tampa that is that is interesting go ahead i know you got something well adam shifters just tweeted eight minutes ago this is his most recent tweet tom brady will play in tampa this season super bowl is in tampa no no host city has ever had its home team play in the super bowl tom brady now aiming at more history i'm so interested so there's a better place to retire than florida too Right. No, the warm weather thing is very interesting, too. And I think that what you just said, Ryan, is a very interesting fold of this as well. So many of the great quarterbacks had, quote-unquote, quarterback whispers, whether it was Mike Holmgren and John Gruden with Brett Favre back in Green Bay. Yeah. You know, all these guys have crossed paths. Bruce Arians has done such a great job with Peyton Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. Now he gets a chance to work with Tom Brady. Tom Brady has not really had that. I mean, Josh McDaniels has been this boy wonder who's been great at – Devising, you're, you're calling Bill O'Brien not a quarterback. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, coming that, from such a place of anger for David. Yeah, I think that once the social distancing's <laughs> over, David, we need to go have a beer and talk about this because Bill O'Brien. I, if you didn't know this about me, I'm a Penn State guy. I was sold this huge bill of goods that Christian Hackenberger was going to be the greatest quarterback in Penn State history, and that lasted all of about ten games of his freshman year. 
and he's been largely mediocre, if not completely irrelevant after that. I always wonder the Bill O'Brien angle. But I'm just so interested to see, because on one hand, Tom Brady, Josh McDaniels was just drawing up all the X's and O's stuff for Tom Brady, but it was never really mentoring him on the mental part of the game. I mean, how much more can Tom Brady grow after 20 years in the league? I'm not sure it would it could be that much. But I do think that there's just little things in terms of confidence, believing in yourself, or just finding that little extra mental edge, which that's probably where they're going to attack it the most. But I just don't know if Brady ever really had that in New England. And I think now certainly he'll well, at least he certainly have a didn't chance. meet his potential. That's obvious. <laughs> well, but you know what I'm saying. But this I mean, is why this I think this might be the best supporting cast from in terms of wide receivers that he's ever had. Well, we're going to get to that because I was going to ask that was going to be my next question for Ryan. But I, I want to ask you one question before okay. that though, because I do think that singularly. Bruce Arians is the best quarterback's coach that Tom Brady will have had. Okay. But I don't necessarily know if that is a good thing or a bad thing. That's what I want to ask you because, as we know, Brady has a very domineering personality. A certain part of me wants to think that having a dude who's basically his same age, is Joshua Dales even as old as, as Tom Brady? Yeah, I think they're about the same. About the same age. Yeah. But but that's it's an interesting dynamic because there's really no king of the castle there unless the king is Brady. Well, the king is obviously it's, Brady, is Brady, but I think Brady has deferred largely to right. the coaches and what they want to run, and right. we know that he's not been a guy who's gone up there and been the quote-unquote coach on the field. He runs the play that's called, and you know, obviously there's audibles and all that kind of stuff, but it's not like Peyton Manning was where he was the maestro on the field. I just want to know how Tom Brady's going to react. Well, I don't know. Obviously, he wants this, else he wouldn't be doing it. This has been, obviously, when this all comes to, together in eight hours or whatever, this has been planned and prepared, and they knew that this was going to happen for for a little while. I don't know, you know, when or how, you know, but that that has been, uh, you know, put together that Tom Brady's going to go down to Tampa Bay and play football for the Bucks. Listen, I don't know. This is so interesting on so many levels, because what do you do with Jameis Winston? Obviously... There, because this is not a situation where Tom Brady comes in. Let me teach you a couple of things till I'm 45, and then you can have the team back. I mean, I think you are well, moving you're on. Not from, just bench Jameis Winston. Th- that's yeah. what I'm saying. So I think Jameis Winston looks like he's going to be out, presumably in Jameis Tampa Winston Bay. Winston is a free agent. Okay, so New England. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. I just don't know how much better. I don't all of a sudden go, look out, Tampa Bay is a Super Bowl contender. That I, I don't have that feeling about really? Tom Brady. No, even, I don't. Even with the personnel, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, yep. O.J. Howard. I mean, O.J. Howard, who is he? He's an anonymous being. Who would Aaron Hernandez and Rob Gronkowski have been without Tom Brady? Well, Rob Gronkowski would have been one of the great. I, I agree, but there's no way to really know. Well, there, of course, is not. there a scenario in your mind where say, okay, let's get crazy here. Let's go speculation let's get, let's to go. the max. Let's do it. Jameis Winston signs with the New England Patriots. Tom Brady signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. Is there a scenario in your mind where New England could be better than Tampa Bay next year? Of course, <laughs> I thought the same well, thing well, this of morning. Course. No, I think there's. Look, man, who's going to be better? Who, 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 who? I know about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, and they're great, and they're going to be improved by having Tom Brady there, and everything's going to get better in some ways offensively. Who, who's playing defense in Tampa? I mean, they got a couple of dudes. They didn't. They got a couple of dudes, but they're nothing like what they got in New England, both personnel wise and coaching wise. Nothing. 
So no, I don't expect I don't expect Tampa with Tom Brady, regardless of who's the quarterback in New England, to be better than New England. You know who I think is going to win the AFC East, Coulter? The New England Patriots, that's who I think is going to win the AFC East. Now, the Bills will have something to say about it. I love what the Bills got going on right now. Especially I really do. Diggs. Oh, absolutely. I like the Josh Norman kit. I like the whole thing. So I really like Buffalo, and they're going to have something to say about it. But you know what? I'm still taking the Patriots. Could the Patriots, say the Patriots roll with the kid from Auburn's, Jarrett Stidham. Sure. Could Tom Brady leaving the organization just from a distraction standpoint give them a shot in the arm? Could they be better next year without adding a quarterback? Was Tom Brady good for the last 10 games of the season? Was Tom Brady's personnel good either, though? I mean, last year was a calamity of errors from the retirement of Rob Gronkowski to the complete disaster that was Antonio Brown. I mean, he was throwing to Philip Dorsett. That was his number one guy. Julian Edelman was hurt. I get it, but it's not the first time that that's happened, you know? And all I'm saying is... Well, it's not the first time it's happened. It was the first time it's happened in year 20 when you're 40. But that's my point, Coulter, is every time that it's happened before, he he's only a handful of times had a marquee individual or group, certainly, of wide receivers to throw to. That said, he's had Gronkowski for a long time. All I'm saying is that Tom Brady didn't... I'm not saying he made them worse, certainly, but he wasn't great. He wasn't spectacular for for most of last year. And by the way, he didn't need to be because he had the hello most dominant defense in football for the first half, and then they kind of took a step back. I think that the schedule got harder for New England, too, in the second half of the year. But what happened? They lose at home to Miami, and they lose at home in, the first, in their first playoff game to uh, uh, Tennessee. See you later. That's it. That's all. It's unbelievable the way that that story comes to a close in New England. It's really remarkable. You asked, who does Tampa Bay have on defense? Tampa Bay actually has, I would say, outstanding personnel on defense. They, If, if they choose to, they can resign and Dominican Sue. Yep. But either way, they have Vita Vea, who is one of the most powerful young defensive tackles in the league, a guy who was a top half of the first round draft pick at yep. the University of Washington. They got Carl Nassib, who's been productive, a guy out of Penn State. They have Devin White, who was the best linebacker in the draft last year. They have Levante David, who's a proven player, might have even been a pro bowler a couple times in his career. They have Shaq Barrett, who led the NFL in sacks last year. So they have good personnel defensively. Here's what I'm going to say to that. If you went to every defense in the NFL and read me five names off of the roster, I would go, well, yeah, that's a pretty good defense. Yes, yes. I mean, I really would. Brand names like that. The Buccaneers were ranked 11th in total DVOA. With their with their with their quarterback throwing 30 picks, their worst 30 touchdowns. Their worst thing was Jameis Winston (laughs) throwing a million picks. The worst quarterback from a turnover differential standpoint. In the NFL, by far, it's a, getting rid of him is already making your team better. It's a good point. It's a great point because if you were if you rank in the top, uh, he said eleventh, so almost in the top ten with being being put in that sort of situation, the NFL is not that many possessions. There's not that many possessions in a game. Being put behind the sticks like that defensively over and over and over again, that is brutal. Here's here's what I'm going to say to you though on all this to play devil's advocate. The worst part of the Bucks last year was not Jameis Winston. The worst part of the Bucks last year was their running game, which does not exist. I mean, Ronald Jones has been nowhere to be found. The offensive line has been not very many places to be found. So I I Tom Brady is a great he's he's the best football player of all time. Okay. We all understand that. But I'm telling you right now, when he's going to be 43 when the season starts next year, 
that I am skeptical about Tampa Bay all of a sudden being a Super Bowl contender. I'm just not going to get to that point. Two questions. One, what's the easiest position in the NFL to fortify through free agency? Quarterback. That's actually the right answer. I, I guess quarterback and what other position is it an effective strategy to use free agency? Every, every position in, on defense, is it's more effective to draft than it is to sign. Okay. The offensive line. Because you can get guys that are between the age of 28 and 32 who are still productive that are worth paying. Okay. Who could be durable. Tom Brady's signing could be a domino effect, both from the offensive line and from the running back standpoint. It could be, but we don't know that yet. Here's what I just find. This is so I mean, this has been in the works for I don't know how long. But Tom Brady knew when he released the goodbye statement this morning to New England that he was on a plane for Tampa Bay, you know, or whatever, to, to, to go play for Bruce Arians. And I just... It's such a weird, first of all, it's, a, it's just weird in general, right? I mean, not Tom Brady is a New England Patriot, period. That's it. It's that's weird. all. It was weird to watch Joe Montana play in Kansas City. It was weird to watch Brett Favre play in Minnesota and for the New York Jets. And I understand that this is like something that's happened. Uh, and by the way, Brett Favre took Minnesota to an NFC championship game, right? Wasn't that an NFC championship game that they played against uh, the New Orleans Saints? So... I'm not saying that there's not a lot of potential here. By the way, the NFC South, I mean. That's the next question I have for you. Yeah, okay, go ahead. One narrative, there's so many narratives around Tom Brady and the evil empire that is the New England Patriots. But one narrative, and we even had a promo running on ESPN for once upon a time, where you were screaming and yelling saying, it's automatic, they're in the playoffs because they play in the AFC East. It's a real thought, though. No one from the AFC East has bucked up and, and gotten any better until the Bills this last two years. So the Patriots have been able to go 6-0 and against their division, basically, or 5-1 and sometimes, yep, yep. and just waltz into the playoffs. Now he joins the NFC South, which certainly has one of the best teams in the league in the New Orleans Saints. Yep. But also, I mean, Atlanta was decimated by injuries last year. I don't think they'll be as bad as they were. They still have some premier pieces. They're, they're an average team. They're an average team. Sure. But Tom Brady's also joining an average team. Yes. But he's leading a division that has two of the worst teams. in the Jet- Would right. you agree that the Atlanta Falcons are significantly better than the New York Jets or the Miami Dolphins? Oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah. And so are the Carolina Panthers, right? The Maybe. Panthers, yes, they the, are. The, the, they are better than the Dolphins and the Jets. The, the, the Panthers are signing Teddy Bridgewater and letting Cam Newton go. They got a brand new head coach, and Matt Rule's never coached a game. I got no idea what the Panthers are. None. Better than the Dolphins still. I I, I mean, look, man, the the, Darf, the Dolphins are an extraordinarily low bar. That is a fact <laughs> to try and clear. If you're going to tell me Carolina's better than Miami, I, I will agree with you I, to that point. And, yes. and, and New York. I mean, until Adam Gase can actually look straight into a TV camera without just looking all over the room and tweaking out, I'm not going to believe a single thing about the New York Jets yeah. either. I, I mean, I, I agree. Okay, so you. then what do you think of that narrative, though? The fact that Tom Brady now is joining among the tougher divisions. I mean, I would say that the toughest division in football – is the NFC West. I'd say the second toughest is the NFC North, and the third toughest is the NFC South. He he is joining a team, this is the bigger part of it, that is unquestionably not the favorite in its own division. 
How how many times has that been the case since he's been in New England? I can't think of a time. I think zero. Yes. I mean, it, 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 so so Miami won the division. I think that's right. Two thousand three or that's something right. when they started running the Wildcat with uh, the kid from Ron, Ronnie Brown. I mean, you think that Sean Payton is? You think Sean Payton's worried about this? He is licking his lips. He wants to slam the door shut on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice next year. By the way, every, and, and everybody else does. And I think this is great. This is fun. Here's the thing though to me though that's also sort of crazy about this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they have a Super Bowl, but they are not one of the top half of the sort of stalwart franchises in the NFL. No, that's why this is such a strange move just from an aesthetic it's standpoint. Exactly. That I don't I don't want to be they, a jerk about this, but the jerseys are terrible. They and are. it's so weird to think about Tom Brady walking out there in this weird pewter and maroon and the big helmet and they're just awful looking jerseys. I mean, they got to fix those. But it is bizarre to think about him not just not in New England, but in Tampa. Like if he goes to the Giants, if he goes to, you know, the I don't even the 49ers some history. Okay, like I could get there on some of this stuff. The the Bucks is just so bizarre and this does feel doesn't this feel like retirement? Like he he's retiring but he's still playing. How great are the geriatric quarterback battles going to be between him and Drew Brees? Oh, just sign me up for all of it. I mean Drew well, Brees is still slinging it though. Is Tom is Brady? Though? Yes, he is. We'll see if he can still sling it. At least does. for the first half of the year. We'll see what happens yeah. in the second half. <laughs> I got I got a couple more questions for you. All right. How many wins is Tom Brady worth? It's a great question. What uh, uh, David, were, what the was the Bucks, Bucks record? Were eight and eight last oh, they were eight. No, eight. they were seven and nine. Seven, seven and, and nine? nine? Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's such an interesting deal, man. Here's the thing. Tom Brady much like Peyton Manning, brings to his team a lot more than merely how good he is or isn't as a quarterback. Like, there's no question the Bucs are better for having Tom Brady there. This isn't about, well, Winston was so bad that no matter who you put in there, they're going to be better, even though that might be true. And it isn't about Tom Brady's still such an all-pro type of quarterback, which I don't believe that he is. But it is about a guy who his drive and his process and his ability to understand and know football and go through it and operate it at a, at such an unbelievable level and bring the level up around him is second to none and it right. will always be second to none for as long as he is playing in the NFL so what the boost that he gives a franchise like this and Bruce Arians has got to be weeping with joy about that very aspect and his ability to talk at an intellectual level about football probably in a way that he never has been able to before regardless of Oh yeah well okay. <laughs> fair, yeah in 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 the, but he was Don't there discount er, Carson Palmer like that. yeah. I, I, that's actually a great point David Carson Palmer was very very but, very smart. I mean Ben the USC grad but the <laughs> other thing though too I mean Peyton Manning highest football IQ ever he wasn't with Peyton Manning for the second half basically of of Peyton's no, career but he talked Peyton Manning into not pulling a David Carr and and locking himself in the shed after throwing you know setting an NFL record for picks in a season yeah, with a rookie. That's true. That's true. Okay, so one more question. I actually have two more questions. Okay, is Tom Brady the next Joe Montana? Wait, or, but hold, let me answer your first question. I'll say two. I think he's okay. worth two more okay. wins. Okay. Okay. So that puts them kind of on the brink. They're going to have to earn. But I'm not saying they're nine and seven. I'm saying two more wins no, compared to what they would have been. They might have been. They might have been a ten win team this year. In which case they could be at twelve. Okay. I don't. Is know. Tom Brady the next Joe Montana or the next John Elway? 
Well, I, I mean, words, how can it be John words, Elway? John didn't leave. Well, no, right. I guess wrong scenario. I'm talking. Is he the next old quarterback that goes somewhere just to play the last couple of years, solid but not tremendous, and never wins a Super Bowl, or is he Peyton Manning who goes somewhere and is a show of himself but wins it, gets another ring? The uh, the former. He can't be John Elway without a Terrell Davis. Right. And, and that offensive line and the zone blocking scheme. But I understand the premise of your point. I think he goes and is is an is a decent quarterback who elevates the team to some level and they never accomplish anything meaningful at Tampa. That's what I think. Okay. I had one more, but I forgot. Okay. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Cam Newton. Where's he going to go? Mm, wouldn't he be interesting in New England? I mean, wouldn't he? I, I mean, this is why the Kirk Cousins contract just drives me crazy, man. Because now these guys are available and you've already just locked and loaded. Out, man, we could have kept Teddy Bridgewater. Oh, my goodness. Once upon a time. Mike Dugar covers the Seahawks for the Athletic. Joins us next. Coulter, I don't know about you, but anymore, I just imagine the internet like taking a walk in the park. What do I mean by that? Well, basically, anybody can watch me all the time because I'm in the most public of places, no matter what it is that I'm doing. Even if I'm sitting at uh, a restaurant talking and my phone sitting there, I assume the president's listening to me because this is the level of paranoia I've got. If I ever had a business that had to function online, I don't know what I would do. Actually, yes, I do. I would be completely secure with Blackfoot Communications because I know at least they know how to keep this thing locked, secured, and private for me as a business owner. Your level of paranoia is certainly concerning, but also in some ways justified because this day and age, you do have to keep yourself safe. We have electronic tracking devices in our pockets. We're on the computer all the time, and you never know when the bad guys might come to get your information and all sorts of other things as well. Blackfoot certainly has you covered when it comes to keeping you secure. At Blackfoot Communications, they do deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup, all of it for businesses across the great state of Montana. They ensure your company's network is online all the time, safe, secure, and running as it needs to be. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com business. We go out to the Braggish Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in. Our old friend. That's right. Old. He's not an old man. He's an old friend. That's the difference there. He uh, covers the Seattle Seahawks for the Athletic. Joined us all football season. Mike Dugar back on the show. Mike, thanks so much for being with us, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You know, self self quarantining. Yep. Like Should we do a two hour interview? We want to fill some time <laughs> here. Just just uh, just head it right into the evening here. Well, you know what's what's helpful is the NFL doesn't really care about any of this stuff. They're like, we're going to put this news out, you know, and operate business as usual. So at least I'm staying busy during this, this self quarantine. Well, exactly, man. Well, I'll tell you what: in the NFL at large, it's been an unbelievable 24 hours. First, the DeAndre Hopkins sh- trade kind of comes out of nowhere, and now we find out this morning Tom Brady's leaving New England. We find out just now he's going to Tampa. So this is this is a, a wide, crazy world. But for Seattle. It has been, at least on a national level, relatively quiet. But we know that they're all, you know, John Schneider, Pete Carroll, they're up to everything right now. So tell us what's going on with the Seattle Seahawks as it, as it comes to this period of time. Well, yeah, for them, this is not, you know, that new. They like taking care of their own guys more than they like paying for, for the guys that another team didn't want. You know, relatively speaking, they're definitely not going to be active in that first 
wave of free agency. You saw right. all those big deals uh, come out. We've honestly, deals are coming out so fast. I feel like we're already in the second wave. Totally. And it's really just day two of the legal tampering period. Uh, so all the Seahawks have really done is, is tender a bunch of restricted free agents, you know, give a bunch of exclusive rights free agents the minimum uh, they could give them, and bring back Jaron Reed uh, on a two-year, $23 million deal. Uh, so that's basically it. And I mean, I imagine they won't do much more than that in terms of adding guys. I think with all those moves, they're probably down to mm, roughly $20 million you know, in cap space, which might not even be enough uh, to bring back somebody like Jadavian Clowney. Well, I wanted to ask you about Jadavion specifically because it looked like he was out the door, like he was ready to go sign someplace else and then kind of pumped the brakes on it. And so then that kind of reopened the window that maybe he would return to Seattle. I realize it's probably less likely than more likely, but is it at 0% chance that Jadavion Clowney stays in, in uh, with the Seahawks? I think it's like slightly better than zero, maybe maybe a lot better, but nowhere near like 50-50 or right. anything just because uh, – if you look at who the Seahawks are, right? Like, J.D.'s not technically one of their own, quote-unquote, when I, when I say things like that, where they like to take care of their own guys. He's a guy they've only had for, you know, that one year. And because of all the people who got tagged at his position, you know, Judon in Baltimore, Bud Dupree in Pittsburgh, Shaquille Barrett in uh, Tampa Bay, um, Yannick Ngakwe in Jacksonville, basically Clowney's the best pass rusher on the, you know, on the market. I could argue now that with Tom Brady signing, uh, with Tampa Bay, or you know, agreeing to terms with Tampa Bay, Clowney's the best free agent left on the board. You know, regardless of position. You know, and a guy like that, if you want him to take a pay cut, you know, right now to stay with you, good luck. <laughs> you know, you know he can read too. He's got Twitter. He can see these deals getting thrown out. And if he can't, his agent can't. You know, so it's going to be a tough task to ask a talented player like that at age what twenty seven uh, to take some moderate deal when he's one of the best in his position. Yesterday, Luke Wilson resigns with the Seahawks. I know they also tendered Jacob Hollister. What's the status of Ed Dixon, and what does this mean? All these free agent signings at a tight end position, Greg Olson coming in. What does that mean for our boy Will Disley, Montana's finest? Uh, It definitely means always compete. (laughs) You know, I I still think, arguably, Will. Let's see. Yeah, if Ed Dixon is still on the roster, I don't think he will be by camp. If we even have camp, Uh, Greg Olson, Jacob Hollister, Luke Wilson. I still think Will is probably the best tight end on the roster. So maybe for Will, it's not necessarily, you know, always compete. It's always stay healthy. You know, that's, that's just the main thing. It really might just be who's our healthy guys by week one. It really just might be that simple, you know. And then health is a subjective term, I guess, right now. We've got a bunch of people sick. But, you know, if, if Will doesn't have any injuries to his body that prevent him from being on the field, like he's had, yeah, I still think he's the number one guy, uh, to be honest, which is which is kind of ironic because he'd be, of all those dudes, by far the cheapest one. You know, as a fourth-round pick, he's not making anything close to what Hollister's uh, second-round tender is, to anything close to the $7 million deal Greg Olson got. Uh, and even the vet men deal that Luke Wilson probably just signed, uh, he's not making anything close to that either. So, yeah, even though he's the cheapest guy with with the worst injury history, He's still the best guy. He just got to stay healthy and show it. When you look around now for the Seattle Seahawks, by the way, Mike Dugar joining us from the Athletic uh, covers the Seahawks for the Athletic. 
you always keep an eye, at least we do in the media, on the rest of the division as well. In the NFC West, obviously with San Francisco going there, it's tough to keep everybody. DeForest Buckner out notably for the 49ers. But of course, the Cardinals upgrade significantly with the addition of DeAndre Hopkins. Don't really know what's going on with the Rams in Los Angeles, but as you look at the division and the landscape as it's starting to shake up, where do you see Seattle and their place in that NFC West? I mean, honestly, if any team is looking to make a deal, I have no reason why your first call shouldn't be to Bill O'Brien and Houston. Like, you <laughs> there you go. Him, it doesn't matter what you want. If you want toilet paper, you call Bill O'Brien, like, hey, Bill, what's the what's the going rate on two-ply? You know, I've got some cans of soup and some rubber bands and some, you know, some workout uh, pants. Like, oh, what, what yes. You got? I'm serious, man. Dude's just giving away... Everybody, I saw it really uh, is a tweet that I already knew that was a fact. Someone just putting it into one sentence made it powerful for me for some reason. They were like, uh, you know, the Houston Texans traded away Jadavian Clowney and DeAndre Hopkins and didn't get a first round pick. That's right. Which is just un- unreal. So, I mean, kudos to the Cardinals for pulling that off. I thought they were just going to have to cut David Johnson and, and just eat the money left on that deal because it's a bad running back deal. And as Atlanta learned with Devontae Freeman, those are hard to move. <laughs> yeah. You know, so they had to cut cut Freeman. No, 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 no. Bill O'Brien's like, bring it on. We'll take on your bad running back deal. Uh, sure. Have our best player. One of the best players in the league. No uh, no worries. So I, I still think the Seahawks are probably the second best team in the division. You know, this is obviously before the draft. Because uh, what the Niners do with that that 13th overall pick now is pretty significant. Because I don't think they had a, they had what one pick in the top four rounds. I think the Niners did before that that trade. So if they were to arm Jimmy G with someone like Henry Ruggs <laughs> at 13th overall, then they're looking at an offense that has George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and uh, and like Henry Ruggs or Ceedee Lamb or something like that. I don't care if Jimmy G throwing blind like he did in the Super Bowl. Those are some some darn good receivers he'd be throwing to. So, uh, but for now, still have Seattle number two, and with seven teams set set to be in the playoffs in each conference. Shoot, that's that's fine. Everybody's gonna make it. It feels like in twenty twenty. To tell New Orleans, 1029 ESPN Radio, Mike Dugar joining us from The Athletic. Mike, last one for you here, uh, and I want to ask you about the draft. We know that this draft looks like it's very very deep at the wide receiver spot. Is that a place that Seattle might think about going again? And if so, when? Like, and how early would they go and maybe try and find a, a pairing for for Lockett and Metcalf? Or what is their plan in general, particularly at the top of the draft? I did a a mock draft on the Athletic before free agency, uh, but it still loosely applies because not much has changed. Um, I, well, nothing happened that I didn't think would happen. I didn't think they'd keep Jermaine, Jay uh, Reed, or Clowney, but that doesn't affect my mock too much. In my first mock, I had them taking Isaiah Wilson, uh, offensive tackle from, uh, I don't say Georgia, with pick 33 for after trading back. But in the first mock that I did, uh, like in my head, before uh, filing that one, I had them taking Denzel Mims uh, at 30 uh, from uh, after trading back with Green Bay. That's Denzel Mims as the receiver out of Baylor. So yeah, I could see their first pick off the board, honestly, being uh, a receiver. Because in, in the offseason, you should be trying to do two things, generally speaking, as a team. Get your pass defense, you know, substantially better, or get your passing offense significantly better. Uh, so if they couldn't do that with a late first-round pick, which they probably won't be able to, all the good first-round pass pressures will be gone, they'll look to their passing offense uh, with either, you know, someone like Mims. Uh, they like Antonio Gandy-Golden, uh, the kid out of Liberty. 
uh, Michael Pittman, kid out of uh, USC. So I think they're going to take a receiver for sure, like their top. They have three picks in the top 64. I would imagine one of those three uh, is used on a receiver. Mike, as always, we appreciate it. Tell the people where they can check you out, read your stuff at Mike Dugar on Twitter, and where else? Well, if you're, if you're self-quarantining right now and you've got plenty of time to read The Athletic, uh, you can follow me at Mike Dugar on Twitter, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R, uh, or theathletic.com, you know, slash Seahawks. Uh, all of our writers right now have one free story up on the site for the next 24 hours. Uh, mine is about Seahawks salary cap guy Matt Thomas a.k.a. the most important Seahawks you've never heard of. So even if you have never subscribed to The Athletic, that story's free. You can check it out and see if that's a little sampler uh, for you to want to want to sign up. Mike, that's fantastic, man. We appreciate it. As always, we'll catch up with you soon, all right? All right. Thank you, guys. Stay safe out here. You bet. You too. Mike Dugar, covering the Seahawks for The Athletic, locked up in his apartment, doing what he's got to do on the computer. How nice it is, is it that we live in the, uh, you know, the internet age where you can, uh, you know, still kind of do your work in some sectors of the, the country uh, with your uh, with your laptop. I mean, how nice is it that we live in Montana, you and I? Well, yeah, quite. It always is, but this particular situation right. is really making me appreciate it. I've talked to a lot of my friends that are from here that live out of state, and uh, the situation in California right now is not good. It, yeah. is, it is not good. I got a couple buddies in San Francisco. They said it is pandemonium. So, and Mike living out there in Seattle, I mean, I talked to him yesterday and made sure he's doing all right. You know, he said not only is he good, but his loved ones are good. The older folks in his life are good. Yeah. So it's, uh, count your blessings, folks. And at the end of the day, we'll get through it. But uh, hope everybody out there stays well. It's a nice time to live in a rural state. That is for sure. Uh, Take a break. On the other side, Robin Selvig, the head coach of the Montana Lady Grizz basketball team for 38 seasons. He is the 10th and final subject of our Grizz Greats Coaching Tree podcast series. You'll hear a snippet from our conversation with him and that podcast coming out later on this evening. You'll hear that right after this. Hey, right now at Kurtz Polaris, it's snow check time for the new 2021 Polaris snowmobiles. That's right. Next year's models, you can go in and put together exactly what you want in fact there's a hundred thousand different combinations to customize your sled right now goes on through april 15th at kurtz polaris kurtz polaris at 2904 west broadway in missoula highway 83 in sealy if you love riding you love going up in the mountains this is the time to customize your sled and use the experts at kurtz polaris to help you see every new feature every upgrade the new chaos models of the polaris sleds they have a new drive system a quick drive too they have a new 2.75 inch series 8 track and a factory installed low elevation clutching option as well go see all the upgrades what they're going to be and get a sled that's exactly what you want it to be at kurtz polaris online right now kurtzpolaris.com Coulter, I don't know about you, but anymore, I just imagine the internet like taking a walk in the park. What do I mean by that? Well, basically, anybody can watch me all the time because I'm in the most public of places, no matter what it is that I'm doing. Even if I'm sitting at a a restaurant talking and my phone sitting there, I assume the president's listening to me because this is the level of paranoia I've got. If I ever had a business that had to function online, I don't know what I would do. Actually, yes, I do. I would be completely secure with Blackfoot Communications because I know at least they know how to keep this thing locked, secured, and private for me as a business owner. 
Your level of paranoia is certainly concerning, but also in some ways justified because this day and age, you do have to keep yourself safe. We have electronic tracking devices in our pockets. We're on the computer all the time, and you never know when the bad guys might come to get your information and all sorts of other things as well. Blackfoot certainly has you covered when it comes to keeping you secure. At Blackfoot Communications, they do deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup, all of it for businesses across the great state of Montana. They ensure your company's network is online all the time, safe, secure, and running as it needs to be. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Tonight, the 10th and final episode, we will have the full series now available for the first time uh, starting this evening. This one with Robin Selvig and uh, Coach Selvig, uh, very good to come in here and uh, and sit down and talk with us uh, for an extended period. Primarily, I thought this was fun too because we, we really did about half and half, but he's talked a lot over the course of time and, you know, retiring and everything about his time as the head coach of the Lady Grizz and all of the things that go along with that 38 seasons, 865 wins, you know, title after title after title, banner after banner after banner, and so on and so forth. But I don't know that he's gotten to talk too much about the men's side of things and the fact that he was, first of all, hired by the men's basketball coach at the time, which was Mike Montgomery, and then was a colleague of every men's coach all the way through and early on a colleague and a peer in terms of sort of the the age range that you're in. And then as he became a more veteran coach, a guy that I think a lot of guys kind of went to and had these conversations with about, you know, about basketball and just sort of in general about coaching and uh, the evolution of that. And he was, you know, in the front seat, right, Coulter, to watch every coach basically that came through and has come through, including the current coach, Travis Secure, on the men's side of this tree, which is why we really wanted to talk to him about it. Coach Selvig is such an interesting character because he is at the same time one of the most competitive people, and he lets you know that, but also deflects the praise in terms of the winning that he's done because he knows it's not about him. He knows it's about the entity that he helped lead and build, certainly, but he's never made it about himself. But when he wins, and he wins at a high level, whether it's playing cards or on the hardwood, he likes to uh, let others around him know. And so I think that that's the most – fun part about this is that he could always give some good-hearted ribbing to the other coaches saying, hey, even if you did make it, you know, some of these guys didn't make it to the NCAA tournament. Robin Selvig always did. Right. Even the guys that, oh, Blaine Taylor, you made it for your second time, huh? Congratulations. And you only got 19 more to catch you, me. You, you, you want some advice on how to navigate you it? You want to know how to play neutral sites and play against high right. major teams? I, I'm your guy. I can yeah. uh, I can help you. But no, I mean, Coach Selvig is a living legend and it's, uh, it's a cool seat he sat in in relation to this because not only was he right across the hall from all these guys in the offices, but he also played for Judd Heathcote. Right. And so he has a unique experience there, too, having been one of the guys that got to experience and learn from. And a lot of ways, I mean, people talk about Judd Heathcote lighting up the Adams Center, lighting up Dahlberg Arena with his sideline antics. That's what Robin Selvig did best. I never watched Judd Heathcote coach, obviously, but I imagine that Robin Selvig got a lot of those uh, sideline displays from the guy he played for. No doubt. Uh, Grizz Great's Coaching Tree Podcast is brought to us by our friends at Stockman's Bar. Stockman's Bar, proud supporters of Montana men's basketball for over 50 years. It's also brought to us by Mike Nugent, Mike Bryan, and Gary Bryan at Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate, and by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot is building a high-capacity fiber network to connect businesses and homes to the world. Visit goblackfoot.com for more information. 
But here you go. A little piece, a little whistle wetter of our podcast series, our conversation with Grizz great Robin Selvig. You mentioned when you guys first were able to host NCAA tournament games and how that was sort of one of the dominoes that fell. What else went into building the great fan base that you guys had? Well, I think uh, you mean success is one thing. Mm-hmm. You, you got to have success. They're not going to come if you're not winning. And I think, you know, I honestly think in lots of women's basketball programs, if people gave it a chance, if they went, I mean, there, there just was an impression, and I, it was so long ago that oh, women's basketball, they're not going to be very good. In fact, I remember we did a, a, a preseason, and not an alumni tape, but we did a media one uh, with guys like you who were out there playing against the Lady Grizz. And I, I and and I seriously, I know that those guys thought that they'd beat the Lady Grizz, but it was all guys. <laughs> and I, I think we won eighty-five to forty or. <laughs> and I, I just think the fact that the more people saw, mm-hmm. oh, they're pretty good, you know, and oh yeah, they're really good, and 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 the competitive aspect of it is just the same. It's never been any different. They're just as intense. They're just as tough. And and so what what a fan wants to see is skills. You know, John Wooden at one time, it's quite a few years ago, and I said the women's basketball game is a better game. It's more pure basketball. That was about I, I don't know what year it was, but he made that comment when when the men's game had kind of turned into their wrestling under the basket. I was ever bigger, stronger, foul grab, and uh, you know the women had had to pass and shoot, and they don't dunk. And uh, so there's if you're a basketball purist, there's lots of good things to see in a, in a woman's basketball game. The fact that you guys had so many in-state girls, too, I mean, that, that had to play a huge factor. I think it did, and, and uh, that's why I'm fortunate that Montana produced so many players. Like I always say, we, you know, we were, end up ranked in the top 25 the one year we had all Montana kids on the team, which, mm-hmm. is, which is real unique. I mean, our poster that year was all of them in their high school letter jacket. They were all Montana kids, and we end up 17th or something in the nation. I can't remember exactly what it was. So that was unique, but we recruited – the best players we could get, and and uh, the, the, our fans loved the Washington girls, the Oregon girls, the Idaho girls, just as much as they did the Montana girls. But we didn't have a real nationwide recruiting budget type thing. We had we had plenty to go recruit, uh, you know, nearby states, and we would have taken players from anywhere uh, that you could get. But the thing was, the the only thing I did was if I wasn't sure an out of state kid wasn't sure they were better than a Montana kid we recruit, and I always went with the Montana kid just because we are the University of Montana. Yeah, that's an interesting consideration, too, because you would say, it seems to me like there's a lot of, I mean, you could make any factor that you wanted to in terms of why you would take a kid or try and recruit a kid or not. And a lot of times you say, well, what if two kids are equal? Like, what if they're the, what if they're the same? What's the, what's the thing that's sort of in balance? And I have always thought, you know, if they're the same, you're just not analyzing enough. Like, no two players are the same. you got to be able to decide, like, which player is going to be better. But clearly, Coach Selvig is saying, like, look, you know, no players are the same. He's not saying that, but he is saying that you can get kids that are basically, you know, equal in terms of what they're able to do. But then you do have that added emphasis from Montana. Like, it, it means something to be from the state of Montana when there's, you know, a million of us. Right. Compared to you know most other states where where you're like if you run into another Californian and you happen to be in Kansas it's probably not that interesting to you. It's a chicken and an egg a little bit, but the fact of the matter is though that women's basketball in Montana because of Robin Selvig largely, but also just because of just the the 
talent that is here. Yeah. The size and strength of girls in Montana is superior to a lot of places in America. It's not necessarily the it is the case in in boys sports too, but so many of those guys end up playing football instead of basketball. Right. But Montanans are big, strong, and hardy. That's a real thing. But I mean, I think that that's been is there's been outstanding talent though, talent that's far above the level of the Big Sky Conference yeah. that has come here. Whether it was Shannon Kate or Holly Tyler or Manny Morales, girls from in state that chose to stay in state and, quite frankly, dominated the Big Sky Conference. Chris Grant's a coaching tree brought to us by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot is building a high capacity fiber network to connect businesses and homes to the world. Visit goblackfoot.com for more information. It's also brought to us by Stockman's Bar. Stockman's Bar, a proud supporter of Montana men's basketball for over 50 years. And by Mike Nugent, Mike Bryan, and Gary Bryan at Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. We've had an absolute blast on this series. Hope that you've been able to enjoy it. If you haven't, maybe you have some time now to go ahead and do it. Wherever you get your podcast, Grizz Greats, just search Grizz Greats. It'll come up there. You can subscribe to it. You get everything that's there, all the episodes, all the bonus episodes. Excuse me, bonus episodes as well. Our thanks certainly to Robin Selvig for joining us and uh, and being uh, the uh, the tenth of ten, and I think giving a good summary. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now. If you visit msubookstore.org, free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.